Hi, my name is Lindsay Fleming, and I'm here today with Luke Dooley, uh, CEO of Ocean Programs. So tell us, like, what is Ocean Programs for those of us who don't know? Thanks, Lindsay. Appreciate you uh, yes. sitting down and chatting. This will be a fun conversation. Ocean Programs is a nonprofit organization that is focused at the intersection of faith and entrepreneurship. We help people start new things in the world, mostly businesses, and we help them do that with practical training programs that are rooted in sort of a kingdom ethic mm -hmm. and really focused on the human behind that business, right. the founder, okay. the person, um, and, and keeping them well, keeping them healthy and keeping them sort of sustainable for the long haul. At the end of the day, we think that healthy entrepreneurs yeah. launch strong businesses and those contribute to flourishing communities. And we're trying to see more of all of those things in the world. So how did you, how did you get here? Like, I mean, it sounds like you probably have gone through something in your uh, career that maybe led you to this point. So, how did you how did you decide to start with Ocean? Like, what led you to this? Yeah. So, my vocational journey is a is a fun one for okay, me to talk okay. about, but also kind of a, a sordid tale. Um, <clears throat> Those are you, the most interesting. So, yeah, I'll give you the fun, the the, the quick version. Okay. Uh, so, I went to school for. Um, um, ministry. Um, I, I studied biblical studies and um, church ministries, and actually, I planted a church right out of college. Okay. I wasn't the, the lead planter, thank goodness, because a 21-year-old <laughs> should right? never, yeah. uh, I think, plant a church. Um, my mentor um, and really good friend of mine, still one of my, my best buds to this day, a guy named Tom, uh, he knew I was graduating, and he kind of called me and said, hey, what would you think about starting a church together? So started a church with him and pastored alongside him for about six years okay. in the greater Cincinnati area. And then when I stepped out of the church, wait, you got to um, pause right there. Okay. If it's Greater Cincinnati, what's oh. your uh, skyline order? Oh, uh, I go two cheese conies, no onions, and a small three-way. Okay, I'm a three-way. So okay, yeah. good. Glad we got that settled. Yeah, so conti continue on. For those that don't for know, for those that don't know, come yeah. in town. Call me. We'll I'll help we'll you. We'll sh show them the ropes. Show okay. you the ropes for sure. Okay. Um, and so when I stepped out of vocational ministry in the local church context, I did some marketplace work around the city and, and ended up sort of more of like a parachurch and kind of nonprofit yeah. kind of track. Okay. Um, in the in the crevices of that part of the story is this roller coaster of right. chaos, of like <laughs> up and down of, um, you know, I, I, was, I was in my mid, late 20s. I was um, married, owned a home. We didn't have kids yet. And um, I was going through this sort of vocational turmoil mm -hmm. of, of um, who am I? Right. Where do I belong? How am I gifted? Just, you know, yeah. God, where are you? Right. You know, it was like uh, probably a, a, a whinier like version of like <laughs> okay. David in the Psalms yep. sometimes, you know, yep. like um, uh, a less spiritually mature sure. version of that at that time of like, God. Well, good thing like, it's not do, recorded do you for you all even of care, you know? mankind, you know. But, you know, David had those moments, mm -hmm. right? Um, but yeah, just, I, I, it was just f this funny season of like layoffs and jobs I worked that were comically bad and things I quit because I hated it and doors closing one after the other after the other. And then finally when something felt like it was going well, the door would would close very abruptly, and and in hindsight, looking back, it was I, I would now say it was God like <laughs> closing doors to sort of like orient me towards the path where He right. would have me, um, and also easier this, to look back and see that sure. than to live it in the moment. <laughs> Absolutely, and also this really uncanny sense of again, as you look mm -hmm. back, 
oh man, at that place I learned that. And because yeah. I work at that place, I met this person. I learned this skill set or I picked up that ability to talk about that intelligently. And it was kind of this like scaffolding season. Building resilience scaffolding. along the yeah, way. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and all of a sudden, you know, I, uh, you know, I, when I came out of that season, I, I sort of, again, steadied up uh, on this sort of um, track around uh, um, um, creativity, events, nonprofit leadership, mm-hmm. sort of this parachurch idea. Um, and, and God kind of gave me this, this phrase or this through line in my life that I, I became aware of, which was that, that what I love to do is create experiences and spaces and, and, and opportunities for, for people to experience transformation. And so um, whether that's uh, an event, whether that's an organization, whether that's a curriculum, a tool, a class, um, I love convening people, uh, helping them experience something new uh, that hopefully leads them to a shift in their life and a new place in, in, in their leadership and their journey. So that led you to create... So I did. I worked at a big uh, leadership development organization based out of Atlanta. It's called LeaderCast. And then I lived in Nashville for a season and worked at an organization called uh, Q Ideas. I ran something called Q Commons, which was like local instances of leaders that were convening folks around faith and culture conversations in their context and their cities. Uh, and then I moved back to Cincinnati, which is my hometown, okay. um, uh, five years ago. And uh, I've been at Ocean since. Awesome. So what... Like looking through that story, what is the one thing that has shaped you the most? Like what has influenced you the most as you look back? Yeah, for me, like unequivocally, it's that like my worth is not defined by my title or my role or, you know, even it, it, like my vocational setting, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there was this misbelief that, that, again, in those younger years of like, oh man, like my worth is this ability to provide for my family or right. to be known as a pastor mm-hmm. or to be known as what, right? So like when I wasn't a pastor anymore, I was like, well, what am I now? Yeah. I thought I was, I went to school for ministry, right? That's my track, I did that. This is what I thought I was doing, mm-hmm. right? And 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 um, and when I when I stepped out of that, it was just like our church was going through a tough financial spell. Right. I needed to go out and get like a, a, a job in the marketplace mm-hmm. or leave and, and, and I didn't feel led to leave, right? So I was like, well, I'll just go get a job. But but again, instantly then it's like, oh, well now what am I, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's just some some probably unhealthy or, or wrong you know misbeliefs around worth and identity and and calling even right, yeah. um, and, and so now I think looking back and and it's funny you know even now in our work at Ocean so much of what we talk with entrepreneurs about is this reality that if your identity is not rooted in somewhere yeah. deeper and more. Um, um, robust and more mm-hmm. profound and you know and of course for yes. us we mean like your you know your relationship in christ, christ yeah. right mm-hmm. um but man if, you, if your identity is you're the founder of x company right what happens when x company goes away what happens when you get bought out what happens when your board fires you what happens if it fails because it, right? all of us have lived life long enough yeah. to experience some of those things and yeah. we'll continue to experience some of those yeah. as we continue walking this this path yeah and so um, that, that's a huge lesson. So talking about faith and work, is that something that you were aware of when you were studying to become a vocational pastor? Like, were you aware of faith and work to the degree that you are now? Or how has that kind of grown or evolved as you kind of have grown and evolved and the worlds have kind of collided? Yeah, you no, know, I mean, back, back then, I mean, surely people were having that conversation then, but as a 18 or 20 right. year old, I wasn't tuned into mm-hmm. that, right? So the, the whole notion of um, 
sacred secular divide, mm-hmm. connecting Sunday to Monday, uh, equipping people for everyday you know mm-hmm. life as as everyday missionaries. Uh, people on mission, if you will, yeah. um, in their places of vocation, whether that's a home, whether that's um, a part-time or a full-time job or as mm-hmm. an entrepreneur, wherever, right? Um, those things weren't really in my head at all. I think when I was a young young person and a young leader, it was uh, clearly at LeaderCast, some of those things began to come alive for me. Um, and then really at Q, where you know Q is a organization that talks about the intersection of faith and culture. Mm-hmm. And as I began to just to, to read some different books, be exposed to some different talks, folks like Keller and others. Yeah. Um, and actually like one of the things that really just for me brought it home and, and, and made it so simple and uh, to simple to engage with, but profound to um, consider how, what that might mean for my life was this blog post by a pastor in Nashville. His name's Scott Sauls. Scott's an incredible pastor, teacher, leader, author, all these great things, Uh but just a really sweet, humble man. Mm -hmm. And um, he wrote this blog post years ago. You can still find it if you just search this phrase, leaving things better than we found them. And um, it's this just sort of simple diatribe on faith and work. And um, that the crux of it, and when you boil it down is, you know, our opportunity is to leave things better than we found them. And so that obviously like cracks the window towards like renewal, Mm -hmm. right? Um, and, and, and again, kind of in that season, I was handed a book, um, by a a guy named Steve Graves. Steve's an incredible, um, leader in Northwest Arkansas. He's a, he's a a CEO coach and, uh, among many other things and a founder of things himself. He's just wonderful. And, um, he wrote this book. I can't remember which. He's written a lot of these like little thin books, right. and they're all wonderful. I can't remember exactly uh, which one it came out uh, of. I think it's but... Vocation. I think okay. it's called Vocation, or maybe it's called Faith and Vocation. Um, and he unpacks this the the really simple notion of the four act gospel versus a two act gospel, okay. right? And um, in the in in the Western Church, I would say predominantly or in maybe in cultural Christianity mm-hmm. or, in, you know, yeah. evangelicalism, whatever, put your, whatever, put your spin, put you know, your whatever you want to call that, it, right? Yep. We like to talk a lot about the, the two-act gospel, right? We talk about like the fall um, and we talk about redemption on the cross, right? And salvation from sin. So it's like, we're sinners and Christ mm-hmm. saved us. And it's like over and over yeah. again, like we're sinners and Christ saved us. We're sinners and Christ saved us. Right. And it's like, well, you know, when you lop off the front end of like, a good and true and beautiful and perfect God created like this place, you know, and it was, it was profoundly good, right. you know, and he said that many times, this is good. This is good. This is good. There was this good, perfect creation. And then, yeah, it broke. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we needed a savior. And so like not minimizing any of right. that. Right. Yeah. But like he didn't save us for, you know, the afterlife, he, he saved us and invites us into the renewal, right? Into the restoration of all things, into Revelation 21, right? Like I am making all things new. It's not, I, I need you to help me with this. It's like, right. I'm doing it regardless, yeah. but boy, Would you like to it's sure fun if you, yeah. it, to, to do it together. Would you like to be a part of this? And so that, that, that blog post and that book really for me was like kind of light bulb moments yeah. of like, oh my goodness, like how do we... How do, we get more, how do we get more of this, this right? Yeah. How do we get more of this? How do we catalyze more of this thinking, more of this, um, these kind of leaders, more, you know, uh, empower folks in their organizations to live this way? Um, and, and what do those practical expressions then look like? And, right. and how do how might we then live differently and work differently? And 
lead differently. And so when the opportunity arose, um, as much as I loved my my post in Nashville and the work I was doing, the, the, the team and all these things, uh, when the opportunity arose to kind of move back home and be near family and mm-hmm. pursue uh, leadership in an organization that was helping launch new leaders that wanted to lead with that impetus and create cultures that resonated mm-hmm. with that idea of, of those I, those right. things yeah. of making all things new and being part of the renewal of all things. So it was like, hmm, this is, this is going to be fun. Yeah. So kind of like <clears throat> wrapping it up as we close and we let's, we should sit down again and, and kind of, you know, hit episode two or three, but what would you tell a new leader? I mean, maybe it's somebody, you know, could you short circuit their learning curve to help them with that identity crisis and you know all the things that you've learned along your journey? What is something, maybe they're not even an, a young leader, maybe they're just a leader. What is something that you would just say, if I could tell you one thing, like this is the one thing I would, I would share. Like if you can get this. Yeah, I think it's um, that your disciplines are your, your, your anchor, right? They're the mm-hmm. thing that sort of, keeps you rooted in that good soil, rooted in that healthy identity, rooted in um, a place where you have the ability to, to be resilient and to have to do like sustainable work and to have longevity. Mm-hmm. And um, when, when, you're, when your disciplines wane, mm-hmm. as they do yeah. for all of us, um, you know, there's, that's just a, a window for, for an opportunity for, you know, if, if your disciplines are waning in the same season, maybe where you're, you get laid off, or if your disciplines are waning in the same season where all of a sudden you find yourself in an identity crisis Mm -hmm. around your vocation, that can be a a really dangerous combo. Um, And so that's the time to double down on those things, right? Um, And and part of the conversations we're having here at this Mm -hmm. event are around, you know, spiritual disciplines and and how do we have longevity and sustainability in this kind of, and be resilient. And I love that, that the core meaning of resilience Mm -hmm. being that you you can bounce back. back. Right, you, you can spring back. It's not saying you have to live perfectly. It's to say we know that times yeah. of those difficulties and hardships will come, but how do you respond in Absolutely. that crisis? Well, thank you so much for sitting down with us and let's do this again sometime soon. Thank you. And keep the conversation going. Absolutely. Thank you.